0: I, uh, I'll be honest, at 22, it was me in the worship band, I was a little nervous, and then I remembered that we're Pentecostals, and, uh, we show up at 10.02, like, that's just normal, so I don't know why I got worried about that, um... I've been telling a few people, this is a significantly nicer day than we had last time. I don't know if anyone can remember a year ago, but it was on the verge of raining, with winter coats involved last year, and many of us are in shorts this morning. So that is a... We just thank God for that. Oh, am trying to find the church app, because my phone's doing its thing, and I found it. We're good. Don't worry. Uh, for everyone who is new, if you... Everyone that is regular for our church, if you want the words for the songs, the notes, everything, it's on the app. I I did that for us because we don't have screens and everything to follow along. Uh, If you are new, uh, we have paper bulletins, and uh, I I think we still got a few if you need them. But there's the songs in there, a couple upcoming announcements. Clay's got them. We're running low, I know, but... uh, we just want to welcome all of our guests. It is a privilege and honor to have you here this, this morning. Uh, I will not be long because there's food and bouncers and other things that we want to get to. Um, but this morning we are kicking off a brand new series talking about One Church Values. And we're going to take the next couple of weeks and we're going to remind ourselves as a church and we're going to share with the community that these are the things that we as a church value. These are the things that we prioritize. These are the things that drive us to do what we do, why we do what we do. And uh, it's a good refocusing for us because sometimes it's easy to get distracted by the shiny new thing that's a good idea, but maybe not necessarily something that God is calling us to. And so this is a refocusing focusing of us to say hey let's just pause let's reevaluate let's focus in on the values that god has given us and let's make sure that we honor those values and everything that we do and this morning we are talking about the value that we as one church value community. We love community. And when we say that, it often is means we're talking about like the church community. And that's not at all what God is calling us to when we say we value community. We actually value the community that we've been put in. So we really value Carlisle. We really value Redverse. If you didn't know, we have a Redverse campus uh, and it's lots of fun. <laughs> Darren's the pastor. We we shut her down today because we can't stream. We're out with some issues with that, so the Redverse campus is here, we're all together, this is fun when we do this, Um, but yeah, if you are from Redverse or in that area, we have a Redverse campus as well, you would love for you to join us every Sunday at 10 o'clock, but we value our towns, and as I was getting ready this morning, uh, it became abundantly apparent who we needed to look at to kind of capture this idea of how we value community so if you have your bible we're in nehemiah this morning uh if you got it's in the app that's got everything else in it so you follow along in the app Um, i'm not going to read the whole thing just because i wasn't able to print it off for everybody so i'm just going to read the first couple of verses to kind of spearhead us and get us going in the right direction So Nehemiah chapter 1, starting of verse 1. Before I start, just a little background of who Nehemiah is. So the nation of Israel has been exiled from the land. God said that if you honor me, you'll be blessed and you will never be uprooted. But if you fall away from me, if you reject me as your God, then there's consequences. And you will be exiled from the land for a time a time of disciplining. But I will bring you back. And so Nehemiah is in this time of exile. The northern kingdom, known as Israel, has been taken away by Assyria. Assyria was conquered by Babylon. The southern kingdom, known as Judah, was exiled by Babylon. And there's a few people that stuck around in the land because Babylon recognized the fact that if we just took everybody out, the land would be um, corrupted with the lack of people. So we needed to leave some people behind to till the land to take care of it and just keep it occupied so it doesn't become overrun with wild animals. Well, then Babylon is conquered by Persia, and when we get to Nehemiah, The Persian Empire is in control. The king is Artaxerxes. By the time we read Nehemiah, it's the 20th year of Artaxerxes' reign. As we read in chapter one, Nehemiah is his cupbearer. He's the guy who tastes everything to make sure it's not poisoned. Great job. I hope there's good benefits. Or a life insurance policy, one or the other, because this could go really bad really fast. Oh, and I locked myself out of your phone. Perfect. Um, So start, chapter, Nehemiah, chapter 1, starting in verse 1. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, Nehemiah's concern for Jerusalem. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down. The gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. So, Nehemiah is sitting safely in the heart in Susa, and he has some friends come visit him from Judah, and he says, Judah is not doing good. In fact, the capital city where God has placed his name is in complete disarray, and he hears the problems. He hears how it isn't destructed, and he doesn't sit back and say, Oh, that's their problem. I'm safely sitting in Susa where everything is good, there's lots of food, the city's built up, we're fine. No, he is broken for his homeland he hurts for his homeland and he said he goes into a time of mourning we don't know how many days he mourned but it was a long time because in chapter 2 we read that Nehemiah's doing his job he's in front of Artaxerxes and he's the king says you are sad but you're not sick something is wrong what is troubling your heart so he's not hiding it he's hurting so bad for his homeland that even the king notices that something is wrong this new stage this is great kids love it Um, so it goes in this time of mourning and the prayer that follows is that he says god you are great you're majestic you are amazing you're powerful we love you so much but i recognize that i am where i am and your people are where they are because we turn from you and this is our discipline this is our but we're coming back to you god we're coming back to you with a heart of worship we're coming back to you humbly just saying god we love you we've learned our lesson it's time to come back And he closes the prayer by saying, God, give me favor with the king for what I'm about to do next. And there's three things that I want us to take away from from the first chapter of Nehemiah. The first one is that brokenness should break our hearts. When, when Nehemiah heard that the city was broken, the walls were down, people were in disarray, people were hurting, people needed help, he went into this time of mourning and grieving the fact that his homeland was hurting. And as, mu- as great as our town is, and every community is this, every community is great, there's so many good things happening, but the truth is that in every community, there's hurting people. There's people who are struggling to make ends meet. There are people who are not able to work. There are people who their marriages are in trouble or there's trouble within the family. There's friction between kids and parents. There's, There's such a long list of struggles that everyone goes through. And the reality is is that there's hurting people in our town and when we hear that and when we come across stories of people who are hurting, it should break our hearts because we know it breaks the heart of God. God loves every single person, and Carlisle loves every single person, and Redverse loves every single person, and Arcola, Manor, Kenosi, and every town within driving distance of us, he loves every single one of them, and when he sees the hurting, he sees the pain that is happening in their lives, it breaks his heart, and there was a song a while ago that said, God, whatever breaks your heart, let it break mine as well. And just like Nehemiah, we are not to turn a blind eye. We're not to turn away and just pretend that there's not something going on. Just focus on the good things. Just like Nehemiah, the fact that there's hurting and broken people should break our hearts, and not just break our hearts and just be like, "Oh, it's such a bad thing." But the second thing is that we just need to—we can't just think about it, and more importantly, we can't just talk about it. See Nehemiah's response after his time of mourning: is he goes to God and he prays about it. And, and maybe that's the response that you've had in the past. As good church people, we see something that's hurting or you hear someone who's hurting and you, you, you say what the typical response every single time is, well, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you that something happens. I pray for you that, that, that things will go well for you. And if you're not a church person, then you maybe you'll talk to somebody about it and just say, hey, did you hear that so-and-so is hurting? Or did you hear that this is, like, a big problem happening in our community? Some people, nobody in our church would do this, but some people will gossip about it, right? Like, oh, somebody was, oh, did you hear about this? <laughs> right? They gossip and they, they, they spread those stories in the, all the wrong ways, but the reality is, is that all they're doing is talking about it. And if Nehemiah, if all Nehemiah did about the situation in Jerusalem was just pray to God, then guess what? Nehemiah ends at chapter 1. Right? Like if, if all we ever did were, was talk about it and pray about it and just use our mouth to do what we do, and that was the extent of our involvement, then Nehemiah stops at chapter 1, and there's nothing else to read. But guess what? Nehemiah is not a one-chapter book. There's a lot going on in Nehemiah. Because what happens... Nehemiah comes up with a plan, and that's the third thing to take away from this, is that that we need to have a plan. We need to know what we're going to, we need to know about what's hurt, what, where the brokenness is. We need to know what the hurt is. We need to know where the problems are. And then we need to come up with a plan to take care of it. Because what happens is Nehemiah is in mourning. The king sees it. He says, what's wrong? He says, how can I not be mourning when my home city is broken and people are hurting and people are, are in disarray? And the king says, so what are you going to do about it? And Nehemiah doesn't go, uh, uh, uh. Uh, let me get back to you. No, when Nehemiah's asked the question, he's got a plan. Well, I need to go. I'm going to need some supplies. I need you to write letters to all the governors so that they don't cause me problems while I'm there. We're going to rebuild the walls of the city so that people are safe. The king says, how long is it going to take? And again, he doesn't go, uh, well, well, six to five. Four years, six months to four years, you know, he's gonna. No, he has an exact time. He says, I'm gonna be gone this long. We're not told how long, he says, but he said, I'll be gone this long. And the king is so impressed by his plan, so impressed by how much thought he's put into it, and he knows the steps, he knows what's required. The king doesn't even question it. He's like, yep, go. You can go. Here's your letters, here's your supplies, here's your people that you can take with you to help get it done. And the question is, is when we hear this, it's always a good idea to pray about it first. It's always a good idea to talk to people and get your sources and make sure that what you're hearing isn't true, but it can't stop there. The next step is you need to come up with a plan, a plan that has steps, a plan that has opportunity to actually make a difference. Because when you may have a plan, then people want to get involved with the plan people want to help you accomplish the plan because if you have a plan to make it better then people want to help make it better they might not know how but you know how so let's help you I had the opportunity of sitting under uh, a city councillor from Winnipeg um, back at our general conference and he was talking about how as councillors they so desperately wanted to meet every single need and solve every single problem and do absolutely everything for their people so that in Winnipeg things would be the absolute best but the reality is is that resources are short and time is short and manpower is short and they had to prioritize certain things and there were holes that needed to to be filled and he said there're holes that are shaped perfectly for the church to step in and support their council support the leadership and help people that would alleviate some of the pressure on town council and I'm so happy that we've got a couple of town councilors here with us and you guys get that, right? You understand the pressure of wanting to do absolutely everything, but you're limited in what you can do. And so I'm telling you, I honor you for the tough work that you do in leading our community, but I'm also telling you that one church is here to fill some holes. So wherever we can help, however we can help, you you ha- you can help, I will give you my number. John's got it. He can text me anytime. Yeah, he does. Uh, he gets he- Talk to me. Talk to us. We want to help. I'm not going to stand up here and say that, oh, yeah, there's problems. Good luck. No, that's not what we're going to do. And the reality is, is that I I talk about, you, you need to have a plan. Guess what? I know that marriage is tough, and I know that marriages are struggling in our community. Guess what? I have a plan. I know that parenting is tough. I know that there's some, there's lots of questions. There's lots of, I have a plan to help parents. I have a plan to help youth. It's called Mitch. If you want more details, talk to him. That's the plan. I have a plan to help our kids. I have a plan to help business leaders be the business leaders that God has called them to, to be the best they can absolutely be. I have a plan for that. I have so many plans. I'm not just saying, yeah, there's people need help. Good luck. We'll figure it out as we go. No, I got a plan. One church has a plan, and we're going to help. We're going to step into those because we are here to help. We love our community, but we're not just saying, oh, we love our community, and we're so glad we're here. No, we love our community enough to get involved and make a difference, to step into the holes, to fix the problems that are here. And not. And like I said, we got a great community. <laughs> I love our town, and I love Redverse, and I love all the communities that we're in. But if there's holes that we can fill, whether it's a bouncer-sized hole to help with a fundraiser like we did last night in Manor, if it's a—wherever the hole is, wherever there's a problem, wherever there's a need, one church is going to step into it because that's what God has called us to That's what God is asking of us is to meet the needs because God wants to meet the needs and we're called to be the hands and feet and mouth of God in our community. One church values our community we want to help take our communities to the next level. We've got a plan, but if you've got another plan, we want to hear it, we want to help, because it's not just enough to know there's a problem, you have to take the next step, come up with a plan, and actually do something about it. So the question I have for you as we close and the worship team makes their way back up is this, what are the needs that you see in our community? Because each and every one of us can see the needs each and every one of us can know where there's a need where there's brokenness does that brokenness does that need break you enough to do something about it and what's your plan how are you going to step into it and make it better heavenly father i thank you god that you have placed us strategically in the communities that you've placed us in at the time you've placed us here And I pray, God, that you would stir in your people the way that, Jesus, you stepped into brokenness, you stepped into sickness, and you brought healing. God, may we do that. May we step into the problems. May we step into people's lives and bring healing and hope and forgiveness and everything that they need because we are your representatives, we are your ambassadors, and you bring all of that. So help us represent you well how we love our communities give us the sensitivity and the know how and the know what is wrong and how to fix it god may we just get a download of plans this year and may we have the boldness to take the steps needed how we love you we love our communities help us do all that you've called us to do in your precious name jesus i pray